Bonjour, je m'appelle Sandrine. Hola, me llamo Krista. Welcome to Step Into Mondays. I'm Sandrine Hope. And I'm Krista Chambliss. We're two language teachers with diverse teaching experiences. And we're here to bridge theory into practice. Just a quick reminder that we're available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you click follow so you know when a new episode is released. And if you would like to help the show, please tell your colleagues about us. If you'd like to reach us, you can find us on social media. You can email us at stepintomondays at gmail.com, or you can even give us a call at 205-440-2889. Don't worry, it's a voicemail. And if there is a topic you want us to discuss, or if you have any a specific question about a classroom issue, just let us know. Over our years of teaching, we have noticed that often students have a breakdown in communication because they forgot the vocabulary word they need, or they just have never encountered it. They also often can't understand content because they don't understand a word that is key. That's right. So today we are talking about circumlocution. We'll look at the theory, then we'll work together to create some um, some activities, some tasks, a lesson per se, that can be used in any language classroom. But first, let's catch up for a minute, share our small victories, and then we'll jump into the topic. So tell me, Sandrine, what you've been up to for the last several months? <laughs> Okay, I'll give you the short version. I think the last we left the podcast, I was busy teaching at an elementary school in an immersion setting, third grade French. And, you know, at the time I thought, well, I mean, I could do science and math at a third grade level. Uh, That's I discovered I am not a math teacher or definitely not a science teacher. Um. But yeah, so that's where we were at. And since then, I'll just give the very shortened version. I have moved to a different town in a different state. So now I am not nearly as busy as I was. (laughs) (laughs) Although that doesn't mean that I'm doing more things than I was, but still. Absolutely. So that's me. What about you? Well, you know, 2022 has not really been kind to me. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm ready for 2023, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, we lost some of our pets at the beginning of January. And <clears throat> I started the year off with the flu. Then we lost some of our pets in, at the, in January. And then I lost my father in February. And so, yeah, it's been really, really tough. So um, there you have it. That's kind of what I've been up to, not to mention that I have four different preps this semester um, in two different languages. Three of those preps are, you know, pretty much brand new courses that I've never taught before. So it's keeping me hopping. I mean... I think you were asking for a challenging 2022, weren't you? 
No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <clears throat> so all of that to explain why we have been gone for so long. Mm, yes. Because the end of 2021, we were both like in felt like in different corners of the world. Of course, probably was me most of it. Um like so overwhelmed that it just wasn't happening. And then we started the year and you had some stuff. So exactly. Hopefully we're back. That's right. Life happens. And so, you know, we appreciate you guys hanging in there with us and hopefully we're going to be back to a somewhat of a normal schedule. And waiting patiently for us going, when are they coming back? Are they back yet? I know, right? Is Looking, I can't, you know, I'm picturing our listeners that way, like every Monday going to their podcast app and hoping that they will see we had a new episode and today just falling in with tears of joy going, oh, <laughs> hallelujah, my prayers. See, that is your creative writing degree at work right there. That's what that is. Yep. Oh, yep. So, well, we are super glad to be back with you all. And so we're going to talk just a little bit about our small victories this week. What you got? Uh, what is my small victory is that I have finally, after moving and being in a completely different environment, I think I have finally figured out my schedule. All right which is a big one because up till now I would just be kind of floating around and then be like, Oh crap, I had to do this and I haven't done it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's my, that's my victory that I have finally been able to pull back my little to-do list notepad that I have my trustworthy to-do note list. And then it has days and dates so I can go and I can plan for the week. Well, excellent. Excellent. So my, mine actually is one that I I kind of have shared before, you know, laundry is the bane of my existence. I mean, I absolutely think that laundry is just like the worst punishment on the planet. (laughs) Um, And yesterday morning I woke up and I was like, "Uh Oh, this is my last, you know, of clothing I, I got to wash clothes today so I actually got all of the clothes washed dried and folded well that's a major victory there that they were folded right I know but they they I got them all folded and everything but I'm going to tell you why my daughter is really struggling right now she's got a crazy busy schedule and she comes home from, you know, her flag practice and she's got to take, she's doing an online course as an extra to, because they, it's complicated. They screwed up her schedule. And so she's having to take this online class after school and she does, she doesn't really want to, she's not motivated. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to show her, look, mom's exhausted. I worked all day, but here I am coming home and doing what I have to do, which is the laundry, you know? So you need to do what you, you know, need to do and get online and do some of your classwork. So, you know, I'm trying to model that for her and man, it's tough. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Because sometimes you just want to sit down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. Sometimes you just want to leave it at that and be done with it. Exactly. But you know, the kids, 
the, your kids really, and this goes for your students as well as your own personal kids, they see what you do more than they hear what you say. True. And so I can tell her, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. But if I'm sitting on my butt when there are dishes to be washed and laundry to be done, what kind of example am I setting for her? So you got to think about that. No, that is very true. That is very true. Mm -hmm. All right. So shall we jump into this? Of course. All right. Let's take a second, just well, more than a second, but just a couple of seconds um, to go over that we're changing our format a little bit. Mm -hmm. So feel free to let us know if you like it better or less or what, but we're trying to be more structured so we can be more efficient. <clears throat> trying is the key word. Um, so we, we're going to have a little bit more sections. So letting you know what we're going to talk about. So we're going to hit the theory of our topic because everything is based on theory. There's been research done on that and it's good practice to go back to it. We're going to try to be very succinct about it, but sometimes it is so fascinating. And as we were looking into that, it was just so fascinating to, to see some of the things we've never thought about. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we are going to put it into the practice, right? From theory to practice, what our tagline is. So then we'll look into how would that look in a classroom? What would we do teaching that? Mm -hmm. And it's not just what would we do, because let's tell the truth, we're going to use it. The podcast is really just an excuse for us to get work done, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. We, we develop it, we put it on there, we brainstorm on it, and then we go in use it let's talk about our sources so we have three sources and i will put them in the show notes mm -hmm. um and as we are using them um i don't know that we'll go from more recent to oldest one necessarily but we have a foreign language learning strategy training on circumlocution by eh, yeah, Fen Chen. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. And that's from 2006. We have On the Importance of Circumlocation in the Spanish Language Classroom by D. Arteaga and L. Llorente from 2012. And the last one is called Developing Fluency in Circumlocution. And that one is Daniel Warden from 2016. So we might not always, I guess, depending we're talking, use the author or the article, but we'll try to have that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right. So <laughs> I just felt exactly like you did. Oh, we're so scary sometimes already. <laughs> well, that was a mouthful. Try saying some of those. No, I know it. But then you said so at the same time I said so. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, what I was, that's what I was laughing at is we both said so at the same time. Anyway, so what is circumlocution? I think we have to start with that. I think hopefully most language teachers know, but what, what is circumlocution? You know, that's one that I loved going back and looking for because um, I know when I think circumlocution, the most 
time I think about, oh, explaining what something is, right? Oh, the place that's by the shore, by the sea, by the sea where you just lounge and it has sand, right? Kind of an explanation kind of thing. Um, but I love, uh, who's that one is that? Uh, it's Arteaga and Llorente's um, definition, which um, they have it as a paraphrase. So with their example, the thing you drink coffee from for a cup, as well as what they call the use of analogy. So foots for feet, mm-hmm. uh, superordinate term, furniture for table, uh, synonyms, car for auto, mm-hmm. and coinage. I think that one is my favorite one. Warish for warlike. And one that I think we never think about that is also circumlocation is avoidance. Mm. They don't use it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think all of those need to be included. And I think if I remember correctly, all of the texts we looked at had the same definition, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh, actually, I don't know. We got to go into that one. Uh, This one is... um, from uh yeah fen chen and i'm sorry i'm probably completely i'm not probably i know i'm butchering their name and i feel horrible about it but i don't know enough chinese to do it right but um they went back to canal and swain from 80 and i love because it's so academic but let's listen to that one is one component of strategic competence mm-hmm. which along with grammatical competence sociolinguistic competence and discourse competence consists of communicative competence. I should have let you read that. <laughs> That's okay. You did very well. You did very well, but yes, I absolutely love that because, you know, Canali and Swain's 1980 article about communicative competence has really guided so much of what we do in the classroom and strategic competence. You know, I'm a big proponent of teaching our students strategies and you and I actually have done several podcasts on communication strategies reading strategies different things like that we've even done um, presentations on um, strategies so in looking at all of this I was honestly surprised when there are some researchers out there who say that you know we shouldn't really even teach these strategies, that strategies are transferable from your first language to your second language. So there's no need to teach them. And that really, really blew my mind because as a classroom teacher, I see that these kids are not transferring the strategies because they're, they're panicking. I see that, especially in reading. If I hand them an authentic text I mean, I can see some of their faces and their eyes and they're just, <gasps> and they absolutely panic. And they shut down. Exactly. Everything that they know about, you know, good reading and what they would do if it were a text in English flies out the window. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we absolutely do need to teach uh, strategies of all kinds, including circumlocution. So um, I really think that 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 is super, super important. And um, in one of the articles, I think it was the Llorente 
article they talk, they cite Rababa from 2002 and the research in support of actually, um, you know, teaching communication strategies. And one of the things that they talk about is uh, the uh, metacognitive awareness that it really uh, improves students' metacognitive awareness. And I think that's really important. Um, mm -hmm. And we certainly don't want to forget about that. So that that article is, is really, really excellent. Um, you know, I think so too, that, um, of course, this article, these articles are a little bit older, right? Because we're in 2022. So right. like the Artiga Urente, it's 10 years old, believe it or not. I know. Um, even the most recent one by Warden is six years old. Mm -hmm. And I think in the last 10 years, there has been a switch in education where our students have their hand held a little bit more. Yes. You know, they're, they're spoon-fed. You and I were talking about that. A lot of cases, they are being spoon-fed. You know, like I remember my kids going to school and going, oh, we're just taking pictures of the PowerPoint or the teacher is just going to send us the PowerPoint. Right. So we can just sit there and not listen and then review for the test. Well, if you paid attention, that was the test, right? Mm -hmm. um, so some of those skills that they might have had at one point in their first language, right. I think they don't necessarily have in their first language. That, that's, that's very true. And I just realized I made a mistake. The Rababa citation is actually in the Chen article. I was okay. thinking in the other one, but it's in the Chen article, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do think assuming that they know something can do them a disfavor because like we're assuming that they understand uh, synonyms. Right. Yet you're going to use some words that are synonymous to things. Like what was the one you had early on into the semester with the name and uh, uh, some something with your students that they uh, didn't. Well, no, we were looking at a, um, we were looking at a, um, an application like a housing application, practicing addresses and things like that. And it had domicilio. Right. And, That's what it was. And I'm like, it's a cognate. And they're like, a cognate? Yeah, domicile. And they were like, what? <laughs> they had never heard the word domicile for home. Right. And yeah. And so, and 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 we also, I also ran into that in another class. We were reading an article and they came across pachyodermo, pachyoderm. <laughs> They had no idea what a pachyoderm is. Right. So I think a lot of time, those sort of elements are, they're expected out of our students, but they don't actually have them. And it's no fault of their own. Right. Right. Because they're reading for the AP, no, for, not for the AP, but what are those things? The AR, was it AR? Yeah. Advanced reading points. Mm. Um, so they're reading, they're trying to get through it. They're doing the test. They get their points. They've done their thing they haven't spent time to really look at the text or to really be engaged with it. So they might be haven't developed their vocabulary quite as much and this other things, right? Right. Absolutely. So that's why I think those strategies are important. Absolutely. And, you know, it, the, the teaching of these strategies, it not only raises their meta cognition, but encourages them to be risk takers. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and go out on a limb to, I mean, to try and describe something or to talk around something, you know, and research even shows, um, I think it was Oxford and someone, I can't remember, um, that strong language learners use communication strategies all the time. They, they did a study on quote, good language learners and the strugglers and the ones who have the most success use the strategies. So of course we've got to teach them these strategies. Right. We do. We absolutely do. And then when they don't know how to use them, that's when they break down in their language. That's when they go back to their first language, English. And that's where teachers get frustrated. Exactly. And something else that circumlocution helps with is it actually helps to build student fluency Mm -hmm. because it keeps the conversation going rather than, you know, them always pausing and stopping and trying to think, oh, I don't know how to say this word, you know, and sometimes the students, they will get so stuck on, you know, how to say something. One of my students the other day was like, I need, I can't think of how to say I'm broke. And I was like, yes, you do. You know how to say that. I said, think about it. What's another way to say I'm broke. You can say I'm poor, which you know how to say, you can say, I don't have money. You know how to say that, you know? And so you have, but you have, this is 101 class. So you have to kind of teach them that Mm -hmm. thought process of, of going around it to keep the conversation going, because sometimes they will get so caught up and stuck on one word that, that it just stalls out the conversation. So teaching them these strategies will help improve their fluency in the language as well. And then something I think that was fascinating and it's mentioned in the Arteaga Llorente article and I think maybe in the Warden article, I can't remember the other one because I just worked, wrote it out of the Llorente one, but um, Actful uses circumlocution in their definitions. So the advanced competencies use circumlocution, but intermediate mid also has it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're looking at that description, you know, they tend to function reactively, by example, by responding to direct questions, records for information, yada, yada, yada. Um, And then at the advanced level, they provide some information, but have difficulty linking ideas, manipulating time and aspects, and using communicative strategies, such as circumlocation. So that is also important. Actful recognize that, that it is necessary in order to be a proficient speaker, to be able to play with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, if you are really interested in the, the theory and whatnot, you can check out some of the articles that, that we will have in the show notes. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, in a nutshell, circumlocution is part of strategic competence. Strategic competence is one component of communicative competence, which is our goal for all of our students. So should we teach it? While there are a few researchers who say, it's not necessary, we believe, and there are a slew of researchers who agree with us that yes, you should teach your students strategies, especially circumlocution. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we won't go down that whole list because there was a lot and 
It goes back. I mean, it's amazing that it goes back to one that I see listed is 1975. So it's not recent. Exactly. Exactly. It's not recent. But I think let's talk about some of the activities that they suggest that should be done in classroom from those articles. Okay. Um, I kind of want to start by talking about the foreign language training of circumlocution in the Chinese classroom. Okay. Um, Because they have pretty good examples, but to me, they were very teacher-centered because it's basically, you know, the students do the the teacher does an activity, the students respond, then they have a test on that. Then the teacher does something, the students repeat it, students do it on their own. So I think it it works well in a Chinese classroom. I don't know that it works well in a different classroom. Right, right. Well, you know, I think before I do any kind of practice, you know, I always try to make sure that I go over with students what circumlocution is, and I try to give them some examples of it. And I tell them, look, you can use vocabulary that you already know. Um, Maybe there might be a synonym or sometimes you can use an antonym. No, it's not this, it's the opposite, right? And instead of explaining what an object is, maybe say what the object isn't. Um, Gestures, actions, sounds, there are lots of different ways to do that. And one of the things that um, you had pointed out in the article, I can't remember what they called it, but, you know, using furniture for table. So if you can't think of strawberry, you can say, well, you know, it's a fruit (laughs) and it's red and, you know, you can kind of go at it from, from that angle. So I always try to teach these strategies and give them some great um, examples. I use a, a one from my own personal experience when I was in Mexico and I needed a broom, right? And I didn't know how to say broom. Uh, so I talked around it. I need the thing you use to clean the floor. The problem with that is <laughs> there's a mop and a broom, right? So what did I have to do? I had to negotiate meaning, which is another great um, outcome of circumlocution is that negotiation of meaning because my house mother was like, well, do you need a mop or a broom? And I was like, I don't know what those words are. So then she was like, you know, with the mop, you use water. And I was like, no, I don't need the mop. I need a broom. So I learned all of that. But one of my favorite, I can't, I, it was on the internet, you know, it was a meme or something. And this guy needed uh, a chicken, but he didn't know how to say chicken. So he went to the grocery, he went to the dairy section and pulled out eggs and went and asked somebody, where mother? right? It's like, wow, that's brilliant because I wouldn't, I would have balked like a chicken. You know, that would be what I would have thought, but Hey, what he did worked as well. So I try to share some of those examples with them first. And then, um, we practice. Um, and I think one of the things too, that I learned, and I will tell you that I learned this the hard way. Don't we always learn lessons the hard way, right? Um, is when they guess the word, right? You put up a word and you have them 
try to describe that word and their partner guesses what the word is, but I had not uh, properly scaffolded the activity. So they didn't really know how to describe the word. And so I was like, oh, I need to rethink this because the, the activity fell completely flat because the students were like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so it was a mess. Importance of scaffolding, right? Yes. So I, I really learned that. So do you know what I did actually? Um, it was for food was the unit. I actually created my own, the first time we did this, I thought, okay, I got to scrap all of this. And I actually wrote out descriptions of the different food. And so I had one student, you know, they had a pile of cards and the students, one would pull it and read it and the other person would guess. Mm -hmm. And then the other student would pull a card and read and guess. And so that way they actually saw what I was talking about and how it could be done. So we practiced that with our vocabulary first. Then I gave them a sheet that had all of the, you know, well, not all of, but some of the important things like it's a thing that, you know, different things like that, that they could have to kind of hold on to before we did the guess the word activity. And that worked much better. So it prepares them. So I think with novices, my experience with the novices, because we do need to start teaching circumlocution from the beginning. So I, and it's a little bit more work, I think for the teacher though, um, is what I had done with, you know, my descriptions of all the different vocab with the food and whatnot. And so they could see, oh, I see. So if I don't know the word for, you know, for yogurt, I can (laughs) talk about, talk around it and I can do this. And they're seeing the examples of that in action. And so I did that, like I said, and it really did help. Mm -hmm. Right. I think the activities we do have to be different based on whether they are at the novice or they're more toward the intermediate or the advanced. Exactly. So we also need to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, activities, um, and that's when I was thinking about a whole lesson that I would do on that, right, where they use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes it can feel like, oh, this is just a waste of time or it's just a time filler, but mm-hmm. it's not. No, absolutely. As you're doing it, you're you're recycling a lot of the vocabulary, right? That they are studying. So they are seeing it again. They're practicing that and just gaining skills with that. But I think with novice, one thing I'd want to do is to have um, pictures and the word, Mm -hmm. not just the word. Because I know a lot of times my students, when I've played those games with them, they're like, I know what they're describing in English because I understand the description they're giving me, but I don't know the word in French. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe they have a reference sheet that has all of the pictures of the terms and the vocabulary word. Yes. So then when their partner goes over it and gives them descriptive words, then they're able to find them. And I think the first time they do it actually they should have everything in hand. So as they're looking at it, they have the word that they'll want their partner to guess, but they have all of the descriptors 
mm-hmm. where it's already done for them. And all they have to do is just read them and their partner is guessing. And obviously they alternate exactly. and then they can do it again. And maybe it's new words still in the same topic, but they have to come up with what the elements are going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was actually just thinking, okay, so let's get some concrete examples here. And, and, and it just occurred to me, and I don't know if you've had this happen to you or not, um, but I was thinking through some of the typical novice topics. And of course, one is family, right? Mm-hmm. It's still always amazing to me you know, because most textbooks will say, okay, you know, my brother's wife is my, you know, sister-in-law or whatever. And you have to fill in the word for sister-in-law. Yet when we are having a conversation with our students and they come across and they're like, oh gosh, I don't know how to say sister-in-law. It never occurs to them to say my brother's wife. Yeah. You know, they just get completely, they just completely freeze and go, I don't know how to say sister-in-law. I'm like, yes, you do. You know, but that again is just to me more proof that we need to teach them these skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they think one for one, right? They're, yeah. they're thinking in English, putting it in the target language. They don't know the word, they're stuck. Right. Exactly. So circumlocation helps them break out of that cycle because then they have to think differently. Exactly. So, you know, what you were talking about, perhaps what, what is a typical um, novice level topic? I mean, we obviously we've said family, but what would be something else? Um, when you have the descriptions of people, like you were talking earlier, you know, I'm broke, like the poor, the rich, the happy, the sad, all of those, because okay, those so- are important um, to know as you're talking to somebody, how are you doing today or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, you're going to run into that in conversation. So perhaps um, then you would need to make you would, what you were saying then is we would need a picture uh, with different people like blonde hair and blue eyes and brown eyes and all sorts of and they're, you know, tall and short and different, different mm-hmm. pictures like that. And then what? And then on that picture, you have the vocabulary word. Mm-hmm. And then um I mean, it could go with various sets or not. So I would have one page with all of those pictures because that's the reference point with the vocabulary, right? right? So the students are looking at that. They can look back and go, oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And then they have individual cards with that information. So they have the picture, they have the word, and then they have what they need to tell their partner. Okay. So maybe blue eyes, okay, Mm -hmm. part of the face, we have two of them and they have a color and I don't know, maybe blue is, um, is a little bit too precise, but maybe just eyes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then maybe it's not the ears. Yeah. And then what else do we have two of on the face? That's about it. Right. Nostrils, but that would be too advanced. Yeah. Um, and then their partner has to guess and they realize, oh, it's eyes, eyes, eyes. And then they can, if they know it, they can say it or they can look at the page and see it and go, oh, that's what it is. Point to that, les yeux. Mm-hmm. You know, it's eyes. Exactly. And then the next time they go over that, then they're the ones. So similarly, give them a reference sheet, all of those words uh, for the description. So, you know, maybe this time it's different ones. Um, 
you know, stressed and not stressed and relaxed and I don't know, you know, all of those. Um, and maybe they work with a partner and they come up with what would be some descriptions for that. Right, right. And then they go work with a different partner because otherwise the partner knows everything because they did it together. Right. Find a different partner and they pull out and they use the descriptions they have to guess that new person to guess what the word would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good way of building it up. Um, and then, you know, if they are above the novice, then maybe they don't need the picture. Right. Right. I think I would avoid the English, but I know you were talking earlier, which was an interesting take on that. Yes. So we have actually kind of been debating, do you give them the word in English and have them describe it in, in the target language or whatnot? And so um, last week, with it was an intermediate level conversation course, we, we did the guess the word, and I gave them the word in English, and then they described it in Spanish, and then the other person could either guess the word in English or the word in Spanish, depending on whether or not they knew the word, right? And um, so I asked them at the end, they all loved it, they thought it was great, they found it extremely helpful, and I said, so did you like having the word in English or do you think the word should have been in Spanish? And my students said they actually liked having the word in English because a lot of times when they get stuck on something, it's because they've been thinking of the word in English and they can't get past that English word, but actually practicing seeing an English word and thinking about that English word in terms of their Spanish language was actually very helpful to them. And I thought, oh, very interesting. I had, that had never occurred to me before because I was thinking, I don't know if I should do this in English or Spanish, but honestly, I was just exhausted and I had found this old PowerPoint and I said, let's just do it. (laughs) So, and they actually did, um, did like that. And then some of them said, you know, I think it was very helpful because I forget what it, what word it was. Um, They were like, I would not have known uh, oh, sheet music. That's what it was. And they were like, I would have never known how to say that in Spanish. So if that word had been up there in Spanish, I would have been like, I can't describe it because I don't know what it is. <laughs> and that's one issue I've ran into, which I have a couple of sets of um, those type of activities, um, which I got from somewhere online. Um, and it's a long list of it. And then, you know, it's printed on paper. I've got it cut up and it's got all of those terms and then words, which you can have that they use those words to help them or in the taboo set where they can't use the word. But some of the issues they had is that they did not know what that word was in French because it's out of context on top of it. Mm-hmm. And so they really don't know what to do with it. So that's where I think a lot of times the picture is mm-hmm. is helpful to go along with that. Um, maybe if it's more advanced and they can have it in a text, right? You know, to have that context and get an idea as to what it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those activities. Um, kind of go into what, you know, we were talking at the beginning, the top of the episode, how, when we talk about circumlocation, we're looking at definitions, 
right and paraphrases and what it is and what it's not um so what are some other activities you can think of that can be done building up on what's we've done that they could go on the next step that would not be those same skills but that would be something else well you know there um you can do crossword puzzles um Mm -hmm. and with synonyms or antonyms whatever you choose so you know you like if I have one puzzle and you have the other I could say okay you know give me one down and you'll have to look at it and maybe you know the word is uh simpatico right and so you've got to give me a synonym uh, uh for simpatico so you might say amable and then I'm looking here going amable look how many letters that is what are some words I know? And I would have to put in simpatico there. You could also do it um, with antonyms, right? So if I, if I say, well, tell me what to, you know, two across. And so you're looking at it and you're like, oh gosh, you know, um, the, the word is, you know, grand. So I've got to give you an antonym. So I'll say petit or something like that, you know, so they would have to work on the whole idea of synonyms and antonyms with a crossword puzzle. And you will have some extra help there because you're like, how many letters is in that word? Because I mean, there's lots of different ways to say nice. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, that's also one that, that can work. And it really helps them to, to think about, you know, and expand their vocabulary. Um, that's one thing that I was telling you so, so many times we use cognates because we want to make ourselves comprehensible. And that's evento in Spanish, evento. Well, this is an intermediate conversation class. I'm trying to up their level. So I used acontecimiento and they're like, I've never seen that word before. I'm like, of course not, because we say evento, (laughs) because it's a (laughs) cognate, you know, to make sure that we're understood, but we want to level up our language skills. So, you know, that is also another possibility. So if I said, "Mm, uh, you know, it's another word for evento, and you've got this big, long, you know, crossword puzzle. Okay, let me see. We learned that word. What was that word? So you've got those kinds of things as well for um, a crossword puzzle. Yeah, I think one that's also fun and that can be a good follow-up to um, to this is um, charade. Yes. Or, yeah, charade. They can't talk. They have to mimic it. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite games to do with my students, and I've done it with... Um, I've done it with vocabulary. I've done it with uh, action sentences, that type of thing is I have them stand in a circle and they're, they're back to one another. So they cannot look at anybody and either one student will start or I'll start it depending on which way we want to go and uh, pick one vocabulary word. And the first person mimics it to the second person. And then they're like, Hmm. Okay. So they whisper it to the next person Mm -hmm. and then that person will mimic it to the next one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ongoing until it gets back to the last one. And then they have to say what they think it was back to the first person. Right. Um, And it is just so funny. We had one time 
I remember playing that game. That was at UAB. And it was just so funny because one person didn't realize what it was, thought it was something else and changed the word. But then as it got back and was mimicked to another student, they misunderstood it Mm -hmm. with what it was and got it back to the original word. (laughs) So it was so funny because by the time it got back to the end, it was correct again. Just because, and it was not because that person had cheated because I I watched it happen and the rest of the class, because once they have done their part, they can watch the rest to see what's happening Mm -hmm. because then they can tell who's messing up or where, if it got messed up or not, so they can keep seeing it. And so the whole class, and we just laughed so hard and we're like, oh, that was just so funny because you saw that and you went to this when really was that. And he just kind of had that look on his face of like, oh, well, that didn't even occur to me, but that made more sense than what I said. (laughs) So that was funny. What you could also do with that though, is, um, I mean, I know uh, you can, you could start out, somebody could pick a vocabulary word and then they have to describe it or give a synonym or an antonym. And that person has to, to figure out what the word is. And then they can, you know, you could have them alternate to going around, whether they give a synonym or an antonym or describe it or whatever to see if they can go around that way mm-hmm. rather, rather than acting it out. Or you yeah. could say, or you, they could, or they could even draw cards and say, you get to act it out. You have to describe it. You have to use a synonym. You have to use an antonym. I mean, you can you know, Mm -hmm. to practice all the different ways. So that would be super fun too, I think. I just like, you know, with the acting, because then it's not necessarily words. Right. And um, we're getting away from that whole description of it, which, you know, goes back down to the paraphrase. But you could combine all of them into one, like, okay, you know, we've worked on circumlocution all year. So maybe like the end of the year. Mm Mm-hmm you know, where they could practice all of them, that would be, that would be kind of fun. Yeah. And um, two of the articles in the, act, in the activities mentioned guessing the word. And so they had um, that was, you know, in pairs, but one of them had it with the whole class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the students had to write it down or something like that, or, I don't think they were drawing it, but had to write down what the term was. And then the student who had had most of the expressions understood was the person that won. And I thought it could be a fun thing to do um, with like a game kit where they have the one where it's timed and they have to, you know, in this case, they have to draw it. And then the students have, the other students have to type it and you can see the incorrect guesses, but you cannot see the correct one. And so it builds up and gives them points. And you could have it instead of drawing that they are talking about it. Although if they're novices, they could draw it and see if, you know, it's vocabulary recall. Absolutely. Or um, they could use um, the um, whiteboard mm-hmm. app. At this point, it's just the teacher that can see it, though. Or um, what was that other one that we would use where they would type and you could share with everybody? Jamboard? No. No? No, it's one of those programs. I haven't used it in a long time just because um, 
they would type their responses and then you could share it on the board as well because with whiteboard you cannot do that mm. so um uh, plickers no not plickers plickers is uh it's with the cards anyway any of those programs would work that you can do it mm -hmm. um and then you can have one student who's you know and you can alternate who are the students who are guessing do it on in groups or not in groups but in teams yeah um i think that could also be fun and i think something too that we shouldn't discount here is um you know using your classroom space for teaching i mean you could even have like a small bulletin board or something you know with circumlocution strategies on it and maybe even some of the helpful phrases like you know it's an object or it's um it's a person or it's a you know a hobby it's an animal you know different expressions like that or it's used for or it's mm -hmm. you know it's an action that or something like that and you can have some of those useful strategies it's a thing right <laughs> that's yeah, my yeah. favorite one it's a thing you should thing. you know so you could have some of those um you know on a board somewhere in your room, as well as, you know, giving them, a, you know, like a circumlocution, little, a little uh, help chat mat, if you will, um, of, you know, expressions, es una cosa que, or set un shows, or something like that. So you could certainly have some of those as well. Um, but that's really, you know, you start out with them at the novice level with that, but, you know, at the intermediate level, they should hopefully have more language skills where they can start um, to uh, do their own uh, definitions or descriptions or whatever. And so um, I did that actually last semester with my students um, in my intermediate Spanish for professionals class. So what I had them do is I assigned each student three or four words and I had them write out definitions for those mm -hmm. words and they turned them into me so that I could make sure that they were indeed correct <laughs> before <laughs> uh, before I put them out there and then I put them on index cards and we kind of we basically did speed dating if you will so you know an inside circle and an outside circle the inside circle people wrote read a definition uh, of the word and the outside people guessed it and then they moved to the next person and my students really liked that. They felt like it really helped them. Um, they could even tell in their talk abroad conversations that they did. They're like, you know, I, I, was, I was already thinking, oh, I can say it this way or I could describe that. And so they really felt like those types of activities helped them in their talk abroad conversations at, um, at the intermediate level. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it did. And it, it kind of goes along with... Um, in the Yorente um, article where they talk about the site Barry Bravo from 94, mm -hmm. um, where it talks about teaching um, the use of basic vocabulary, like thing, person, place, um, to, as a basic, and then recommends that when you're teaching, like for instance, salesman, it's taught as a person who so sells things. Right. And then... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, which it is a person who sells things. Um, but then that even in advanced classes, students should continue to develop their own definitions for words, because as it says in the article, in her view, as dictionary definitions are often far too complex for the word. Mm-hmm. Um, so still, even when they get further into their proficiency level, it is good to let them come up with their own definition. And I used to do that when I was at the middle school, I would have them um, like when we encountered new words, I had them write it, but then I would ask them to draw what it was next to it Mm -hmm. because I didn't want them to go to their native language and have that one-to-one that we talk about that they absolutely want to do. So I would have them draw it. And then when they were in the more advanced classes, then they would have like either draw or um, write things that went with it for them, that defined it. Right. And I think that too, what you were selling a salesman is a person who sells things. I think that's kind of where the taboo game can come mm-hmm. in, right? Because we, I mean, most of us are familiar with taboo. You have a word, but then you also have a list of words that you're not allowed to use. So sale, sell would be one of those words. So it's like, you know, so you might have to say, well, it's a person who is trying to get you to buy something, you know, maybe instead of using sell. So I think that's where, um, you know, the taboo game at that intermediate and advanced level can really be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, with the headbands as well. Yes. Headbands. Because then they're the ones having to ask the questions. Yes. To figure out what it is. So, I mean, they're doing more, most of the work, but at that point, everybody's got a card. So, you know, like, am I a thing? Am I food? And I'll tell you what always happens to us is they run out of questions, right? They can't think of any other questions. So then we're like, okay, come on, you know, it's, it swims in the water. (laughs) And so then then we just start trying to describe it to help them, uh, you know, to, to, to figure out what it is anyway, because they, they, they kind of run out of the questions that they can even ask. So, uh, yeah, so the headbands is always a fun one too. And, you know, you can even have the students make, um, make up headbands, um, Mm -hmm. with their vocabulary from their chapter. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Use the students to do things. But it doesn't always, and, and, and I am so adamant about this, it doesn't always have to be tied to, you know, vocab from a particular uh, textbook or, or whatever, because I mean, our students, I mean, I have Disney headbands because my daughter was a Disney freak. My kids love to play the Disney headbands because you're describing Disney characters and different things like that, which has absolutely nothing to do with a chapter in a textbook, but sometimes that's really nice. <laughs> You know, know, on the same line with my kids, when they were both here for Christmas, we pulled it back out and I can't remember what it's called, but it's kind of like a charade game. You have it. We have it on our phones, but it's with movie titles Uh and you have to describe the plot. Right. How fun would that be? Oh, my God. We cackle. Because some of them we've never seen oh, the movie. Yeah. So we had no idea what the plot was. So then it would be 
using all sorts of strategies, which obviously we're making up the rules at that point, mm -hmm. but um, using antonyms to get people to guess one of the word in the title and using, I mean, all sorts of strategies and it's timed. So, you know, you have it that way. I mean, just four of us and it gets so darn loud, but it was just so funny. There is still some of them. I'm, I could, I'm not going to let myself think about it because I'll break down for 10 minutes laughing. <laughs> so just with how ridiculous the, some of the things we came up with were. Um, and we have some. <laughs> Emily still talks about it. And that is at least six years old. Uh, we were in a restaurant. We were waiting. And because we like to entertain ourselves while we're waiting, we pulled out the game and we were playing Disney games. Mm -hmm. It was Disney titles. And um, let's see if you can guess the movie based on that definition. <laughs> but and apparently I'm the one who went, went want to ride my carpet? Aladdin? Yes. <laughs> and she died six years later. She still remembers that one. Hey, it made an impression. You but know, it worked, right? That was the gist. Well, I like my carpet. That's something, that's something too that I, I really, you know, we don't want to get into all of that, but um. I would lament sometimes because it's the fun that the kids have in class that's going to help them remember things. Yes. And, you know, learning should be fun. Mm -hmm. It absolutely should be fun. I mean, if it's tedious and boring, then, you know, why do it? I mean, ourselves, we like for things to be fun. And that's kind of how we remember or something will stick with us because it was fun doing it and we want to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing they want to, um, they, they want to, um, they want to uh, have a good time. So mm -hmm. absolutely. So, yeah, I think that's all I have with mine. I focused more on the novices with the flashcards and building it up. So they are, you know, given more and more autonomy so they can build up with that. Mm -hmm. I think as you're doing it, you know, doing the, I mean, you start with some terms from the chapter and then you keep adding to it. So then by the end of the year or the semester, they have lots of words to pick from. Exactly. But they do it regularly. That way they know where they are with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then of course, you know, the more intermediate and advanced levels they can write their own definitions try to expand their vocab with synonyms and antonyms taboo is a great one to help with that as well mm -hmm. so um bottom line definitely definitely teach your um teach your students uh some circumlocution strategies and if you guys have any activities we would love for you guys to share those with us <laughs> yep before we go, a few reminders. If you don't already, please follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, at Into Mondays, and Facebook, Step Into Mondays. Make sure you hit subscribe on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on. You can also email us your small victories, aha moments, a personal um, funny language story at stepintomondays at gmail.com. Or give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 205-440-2889. And don't forget, tell your colleagues about us. Alain Hasta lunes. Bye.